His great house, the home of peace. Study together again to look at the work. All right, let's try and share with our friends. Those who are not here, you can reach out to some of our people who you know should be here but are not here at the moment. Um, so let's try and get more people in. Um, I think the number of persons are not here. So let's quickly do that in the next one minute. If you know somebody you want to chat up, if you know somebody you want to remind to connect let's do that let's do that so that we have everybody on board okay good evening good evening good evening good evening are we doing that let's share let's share let's reach out to people reach out to those who should be here uh, who are not here please let's do that very fast it's, it's study and it's very difficult sometimes to go back to certain things that you have said once you say them you yourself may not even exactly know how you said them so it's good we have people around okay so i'm gonna start we thank god for last week um, what we were able to see and i just want us to do a quick short recap of last week some of the things we were able to see from the scriptures and we'll take it off from there so um last week we started looking at you know the the new man and uh, new creation and we began from seeing from the place of the fall the fall of man what really happened um at the garden Eden, how did man fall what led to the fall what exactly was the sin that man committed and that's critical to the study like what exactly is the sin and we're able to see that last week what the sin was exactly let me test if we were really following. So can somebody help us with what, what was the scene exactly that we identified last week as what man committed, what Adam and Eve committed in the garden exactly? Can somebody somebody give us that? Let me be sure. We really followed last week. What was the scene exactly? Uh, okay, good. Some people are joining. What was the scene that we mentioned last week that was that what in what it is exactly that man committed? I did that last week. So can somebody because three questions were major things I tried to to attend to last week. What was the scene of man exactly? Unbelief. Unbelief. Good. So I mentioned that it was unbelief. Unbelief. So um in some instances, yes, disobedience, yes, but critically, technically, it, the root of it was unbelief. The man shifted is, um, is how do I describe it now? Yeah, his fit to the words of the devil as against the word of God. So it was unbelief in God's testimony that led to that fall of man. So it's unbelief, unbelief. Amen. All right, and we saw that man lost his domain, which was uh, more like the the atmosphere that made him express his nature in God. So man lost what gave him the ability to express his nature in God. So man had a nature in God, but to express it, he had to be in the confines of what established him in where he was. So and that unbelief took him out of that. So man could no longer express that nature of God where he was now dwelling so that was why man it was now significant in the place of man leaving his physical residence which was aided and sent out of Eden. so we're going to take it further uh today we're going to look at some very interesting stuff so we had a question last week we had a question last week um so we looked at something which was quite interesting after saying that we understand that unbelief was the sin that man committed in Eden. And we're able to see that what man lost was not his authority. What man lost was not his um, was not that dominion power. But what he lost was his ability to express it. The confines of what makes him express that ability. So no matter how powerful you are, if you don't have the 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 um, the uh, how do I call it now? I want to I want to use a particular English, but I can't remember now. 
uh, okay, corresponding, yeah. If you have power, if you don't have the corresponding atmosphere to exercise the power, you are the same as somebody who does not have the power. So imagine, I, I use the example of a fish that does not exist in the water. So no matter how powerful, how, how skillful that fish is, if it's not inside the water, it cannot express its power. So the fish outside of the water is as the same as any other creature that cannot survive inside the water. So the exact location makes a man powerful. That location that defines your existence. So there's a particular location that defines our existence as humans. So inside of that location is where we become people of authority. So authority is not just what we see anyhow. It's actually from a location, a place of expression. So these were the things we were able to see last week. So we had one question, interesting question last week, which I don't know if some of us have worked on. So we said to ourselves last week now, if we say what entered into the world is now sin, that everybody became sinner. Now that concept, that theology is called, uh, ah, I forgot it again now. I forgot it. Uh, is it the, the the something sin? I've forgotten that theology. There are certain guys who have, and it's the theology that many of our Christian uh, fathers actually preach to date. I'll check it on my phone. I think I, I saw it when I was studying. Uh, it's called it's called something about the fact that there's now a sin that dominates the entire human race. So everybody giving birth to is giving birth into sin, just like the same way you know uh, when David was saying in Psalm fifty one that my, my mother gave birth to me in iniquity. So that is to say what we are taught is now that man is giving birth to, into sin. So naturally, every human, we are sinners by, by what Adam had done. So my question to us was, if that theology is true and what we want to go by, which I'm not saying is not true, right? But we just want to do some... Um, some um, uh, what, what's it called now? Some little study into it so that we have perfect understanding of these things. So if it is true that sin had entered into the world, that the nature of sin is now in every one of us, that everybody who comes into 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 uh, this world inherits the sin of Adam. So if that is it, then the question would be: I am a believer. I believe in Jesus. I'm a, I'm a part of Christ, and my wife definitely is a believer. She loves God. Um, she's doing great for God. Now, two of us come together, two believers. We give birth to a bouncy baby Jesus. Now, should that, so how is it that the sin of Adam is so powerful enough that it's generational, that it can be transferred from one generation to the other, that my righteousness in Christ and the righteousness of my wife in Christ coming together cannot translate to the righteousness of my son. So if if uh, sin is transferable, why should righteousness not be transferable? So that's if you accept, if you believe that doctrine that everybody, we came into sin, we have agreed on the fact that uh, man came into, man lost something which I described to us. And that will help us to trace this question actually. But I just want, to, I want us to just hear us. Then after my teaching, I'll go back to that question and do some some closing on it. So what's our thought on that? Why should should it not be that when two believers meet, their produce should be righteous? So let's let's have some very good short, you know, there's I, I want us to finish on time today. I promise to finish um seven seven fifty five so that five minutes we use that to close. So please let's quickly have engagement on that. What's your thoughts? Have you thought about this before for those who are not in our class last week? Have you thought about this before that? When we give birth, why is it not? Why why don't we give birth to a righteous person? Okay. A doctrine of original sin. God doctrine of original sin. I remember now. All right. Let's have engagement. Let's have engagement. Let somebody talk. Let me call some people that I knew were involved. Minister Doimola, you were one of those who, who were engaging the ministry last week. Okay, somebody's dropping on the chat. But I love we just unmute and talk. That makes it more interesting. According to the Bible, righteousness is a gift from God, cannot be transferred from man to man, I believe. Awesome. So is sin a gift from Satan that cannot be transferred from man to man? <laughs> interesting. 
All right, so Pastor Femi, uh, I don't have the answer, but <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just a thought around this. So I was also thinking, why is it that um, when John the Baptist was going to come, he came by the reason of the copulation between Zachariah and Elizabeth, but when Jesus Christ was going to come, he didn't come through that means of you know copulation and all. It was by um, the Holy Ghost falling upon Mary. So what exactly is wrong with the process of copulation? I don't know if that's the process, making the um, sin transferable and righteousness <laughs> transferable. Interesting. Yeah, just interesting. some wild thoughts. Okay. Interesting. So if, if we go by that thought, uh, so please, I want every other person to talk. This is, this is, I'm not saying I have an answer. I'm not saying I technically have an answer, right? I'm not trying to say one is correct or one is wrong. Do you understand? So the essence of Bible study actually is for us to, it's, it's for us to, you know, you start thinking now, look at the perspective Pastor God is coming from. So that helps us to just see things from different places. And we need everybody's thoughts. So this is not just me okay. as I'm not trying to bring, bring my okay. thoughts or bring. So we just want to look at the scriptures and let the scripture answer these questions for us. So let okay. me quickly. Look, sorry, Pastor Paul. Let me quickly look at what Pastor Bill said. So it was mentioned the fact that now those theologians who have the thought about this concept of the doctrine of original sin, so those who are against the doctrine of original sin, they make to say that okay, are you saying Mary? So this your thought about the fact that Mary was uh, impregnated by the Holy Spirit. This was some of the. Um, the rebuter of those who are against the theology of this original sin, that Mary is a human too. So does that mean a part of Mary is not in Jesus? Then also, if we look at that to say, um, let me now take that to my own, my own theology. Yeah. So now if truly, let's say Mary does not have any interaction in that uh, sexual, uh, whatever that brought Jesus. So, Holy Ghost impregnated Mary, right? So now that means that, you know, the scripture now says uh, Jesus is our template, is our example. It's more like the first fruit of our new generation. So that's why it says now you are a new creature. So if Jesus is now the template of our new creation, just like the same way Adam was a template of the old creation and Adam was producing after its kind. So why is it that we are also not producing now after the kind of Jesus continually. So why do we have to, after Jesus not as powerful as Adam, that Adam was able to produce after his kind, that Jesus is now no longer producing after his kind? That would be my question for Pastor Biodo's theory. All right, um, Brother Ibukun, you raised your hand. Pastor Bob, please let me answer, let this person speak for you. All right. Okay, sir. First, sorry to break in. I know I'm new here. Um, ah, no, no. But, uh, Very well. So, uh, talking about the um, scene, right? Um, I think um, righteousness is imputed to us from Jesus Christ when he came. But in the place where we lost our place with God in the first place, uh, Adam had a choice in the first place. And being him from God, what made him him? Like uh, the child of God, according to I think a, a passage in, in Genesis was talking about Adam being child of God, is that the breath of God is inside of him, and by reason of choice, he decided to not do what God commanded him to do. So it was a heart of rebellion, and he lost his place. And by reason of losing his place, we being his, his uh, descendants. From him directly by blood, we inherited his nature, which is not the nature of God, because he was cut out from the um, from the nature of God. I think, as you have rightly presented it, cut out of the nature of God, and made him to stand on his own, having the choice to now begin to choose. And he lost that place with God, and he also lost that place with God. So when Jesus now Coming again through Mary, one of the things that uh, that uh, I think the Bible has let us realize is that uh, the person, the person that owns the child is Adam. And when God was promising Adam, 
God was saying that uh, your seed, your seed, your seed through you, the promise was to either Abraham and all. And it was now because of the promise that came through Abraham, he made it that Mary was the carrier of, uh, of that promise. Not at, I think it was, there's a contradiction between genealogy. In Luke, Luke was talking about Mary when the, when the, the uh, genealogy was, uh, was uh, recited, I, I mean, the record of the genealogy. It was Mary that it landed on. I think it was Matthew that landed on it. But the point I mean here is that first, the promise came to Mary as one But now it was God that owns Jesus because the Holy Spirit invented it was promised in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, God was saying that your son, you were talking to the woman, that your son will touch the head of the serpent. And he's going to bring uh, uh, the kid. Uh, I can't have. I don't have Bible here. But the point I'm making is that the righteousness that we now have is by adoption. Like it's no longer by by uh, by by blood. And the reason why we cannot conceive, or some of us, if Christians may not conceive, the reason why some Christians may not conceive is the nature of Christ, because they are not continuing. Because the same heart that was found in Adam was found in the heart of rebellion. So if we should be prepared, there's no space for we have choice. God has given us part. Okay. Please because of our time, can you round up? Right. So I think that's just our, 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 our Okay. I struggled a little to hear you for volume, but I think I got a bit of um we're trying to say righteousness is by adoption and um so uh, mary was just more like it was christ it was the holy spirit who uh mary was more like a vessel just to carry the the, the baby the christ inside of her so yes perfect perfect awesome contribution and i think it's almost same as what uh was raising but my question was, so if, if that is so, is it that Christ is not that powerful, that his righteousness is now transgenerational? How come sin is so powerful, that sin is so transgenerational, that every human comes inside of what Adam had done, that every human cannot come into what Jesus had done? So that, that but, but really, our time is fast spent already, and I... and. Because next week, Asobion is supposed to take this class, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't know. How I want to do it, but I'm not sure I can finish what we have yet. So let's let's let's. I think that was a good conversation. Pastor Paul, please. So sorry. Um, you hold your thoughts, and uh, oh no, please go ahead with your thoughts. Don't worry. Go ahead with your thoughts. Let, let's let's quickly wrap up on that. Go ahead. Thank you. It's conversational. Yeah. All right. Okay, so uh, I think I like what uh, uh, the last um, brother just shared and what Pastor Bjorn shared. They have shared something great and started something great. So I just believe that um, there is a mystery when it comes to fatherhood. You know, there's a mystery behind fatherhood which God also um, perpetrates. Uh, like, like you also said, looking at the fact that um, Mary is a carrier I, I can understand the mystery i don't understand the mystery though for a woman naturally you know when that's why it comes when it comes down to family the seed is being given by the father you know the woman she houses the the, the egg the the, the um the, the semen and then give back to a child but the seed comes from the man so i that's just biology anyway but when it comes to the spirit now um yeah. The Bible talked. The Bible talked about the fact in Romans, talking about the fact that um, Romans chapter um, five, verse twelve, and then if you look at verse nineteen, it was saying that for as by one man sin disobedience, many, yeah. by one man sin many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one many may be made righteous. So and we understand the fact that um, Jesus did not come after the order of Adam. You know the Bible was talking about that. And Adam began after his own kind. So yeah. every please. seed that he said, the first, please. Time. Okay. Yeah. So every seed that came after Adam, 
naturally will take after it uh, and the process and then there is a process of of the of, of righteousness actually will come after uh um, so, yeah i think you also you also almost in line with uh the last brother bro ibukun's thoughts and Pastor yeah. so but my question to the three of you is just like you just said now those after adam take after the other of adam so why is jesus not powerful enough that we can take after his order too well, I believe I will get to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you guys can drop your 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 community of thoughts. Uh bro, Ibuku, Pastor Biodo, Pastor Paul. You guys can drop a chat or that for us as okay. we just do it. So if if Adam is so strong that is generational, why is Jesus not that powerful? Jesus, who is God, all powerful, why is he not so powerful enough that he's is um influence is not so transgenerational so that would be like the cut and i think somebody also dropped a thought on okay so if uh if everyone is born a sinner then when babies die where do their spirits go do they go to heaven or they go to hell so uh, maybe we will take this as i don't know where we have question and answer day um sorry where we have the day for um answering exposing the question I think we can take this as what we'll do for that day on the Bible study. I'll check our schedule. We'll take this and we're able to answer this particular question. All right, so let's quickly roll today. And I'll go back to the question so we'll see, I'll share some light on it also. Thank you. So last week, we've done what, what we said last week. So today, we want to look at the fact that, so we already know how what, the sin of man, what man lost. And I think that will help us why I was emphasizing the fact that we have looked at what man lost exactly, that was to help us understand and trace this question I'm asking us about transference of, of righteousness or not, on all of that. So if you understand so, so very well what man lost and what Christ came to do, you'll get the, the mix of that question. So let's just look at that. So from, from when man lost, so we, we saw that the system of sacrifice came into place. So there was a system of sacrifice trying to salvage the situation after man lost his place in Garden of Eden. So now, what permeated the earth? One thing I must first mention here today is that technically, the sin of Adam was on Adam. Now, what entered into the earth was actually death, not technically sin. So now, the essence, the purpose of the end point of sin now, it's, it's like this. It starts from temptation. So temptation comes, and that was what you see Eve went through. So temptation comes. Now, temptation in itself is not a sin. That's why many of us, we even feel guilty at the level of temptation. You know, where you are faced with some trying things, you want to, you are almost doing a thing, and somehow you found your way back and all of that. So temptation comes. But then temptation migrates into when you fail at the point of temptation, it enters into sin. But sin is not the end point of what the devil is actually looking for. Now, what the devil is looking for is the end point after sin. Now, after sin is when we have death. And you will see that that book of Romans you quoted, let's look at it. Uh, I have just about 25 minutes more, but we'll see what we can do. Now, if you look at that book of Romans, we began to talk about Romans 5, um, 515. It says, and what a difference between man's sin and God's forgiveness. For this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin. So what entered into the world actually is not sin, technically. What the nature, nature, you know, when we talk about this nature, nature, nature is just that, you know, that's why I explained to you that one man lost was not that he lost the authority to dominate the earth. What he lost was his um, expressive ability in order to express that power to dominate. So, and one of his power to dominate is power over sin. And that sin is unbelief. He was in a place where he could, everything he did was fine to God. He was in a place of belief where he knew he could submit and do exactly what is the will of God. So at the point he sinned, he lost his ability to be able to, his unbelief made him lose his ability to submit and understand God. So now, what now entered into the world after their sin was death. And that, last week, we were, we were trying to explain that death. Death, separation from God, right? So, we they no longer had access 
that one-on-one free access to God. Now, and that free access to God that they lost now led to man trying to find that back through a system of sacrifice, which sacrifice was not able to do. So that sacrifice went from stage to stage. Now, let's, let's just quickly do now, in that time of Adam, you see that immediately Adam now sewed fig leaves. He was trying to cover, they were trying to cover themselves and do all of that. Now, you see that um, Genesis 3.21 showed us that. And that sacrifice was more like when they were trying to sew the leaf, it could not work. And now, Jesus, let's go there. Genesis 3.21. If we're not able to finish, it's fine. We'll see how, how we sort that later. But it's important we really get this. Because when we get this one, this this concept of new birth, it solves a whole lot of struggles in our lives. Now, Genesis 3.21, we saw how it says, uh, the man named his wife Eve, uh, blah, 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 and the Lord clothed Adam and his wife with garments. Now, Adam and Eve, when they, when they fell, you know, they became naked. Now, somebody can just paste some of the scriptures so that will be fast. I don't want to go into them because of time. Genesis 3.21. So, after they fell, they were trying to get something to cover their nakedness. They were trying to cover to cover their nakedness. But then, you discover that the scripture now said, Jesus came. He now made a cloth to cover them through garments made from animals. Now, unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God made coats of skin and clothed them. So, that was the first introduction to sacrifice. Where, okay, uh, that was the first introduction to sacrifice. Somebody's raising up your hand. Don't worry, I'll give you time to do that after now. Uh, so that was the first system of sacrifice where we saw how God was trying to help man to cover that, but that wasn't a final solution to the sin of man. So we saw a one lamb to one man. Now it went on into the Abrahamic time. So that was the time of Adam. Abrahamic time. We also still had the same system of sacrifice. Genesis twenty-two thirteen, where it was one lamb to one man. So when a man sinned, when a man had anything, they had to bring an animal. Somebody can also base that for us to make this fast. Genesis 22, 13. So it was also a system of sacrifice. So the fall was what brought about all of these systems of sacrifice. Then after Abrahamic time, we had the most, the time of Moses. It was also the same system of sacrifice. Genesis 12, 3 to 14, where we had one lamb. This time it was one lamb to one family. So it was now becoming more robust system. So one lamb to one family. Previous one was one lamb to one man that, that, that we had. So and Abraham lifted up his side and looked behind him a ram caught in a tick. So one man, one, one, one lamb, one, one lamb to one, one family in the time of Moses. And we had the time of Leviticus, the Leviticus time, where we had one lamb to one nation. So it was now bringing it to nation. So one lamb to one nation, sacrificing on behalf of nation. You see that in Leviticus 16, 15 to 16. Now, I'm trying to build all of this just to help us understand the process to where we now are the new man. All of this will help us build our understanding and our knowledge in our work with God. So now, after the Leviticus time, we now are the time of the desire. So you see that it had been one lamb, one man, one lamb, one family, one lamb, one nation. But now, in the time of the Messiah, we now had one lamb, the entire world. And this time, once and for all. So in the in the in the in the time of the Leviticus mosaic, you see that you keep coming. So when you had when you commit one sin, you bring the lamb, they pray for you, you do that, it transfers, you go, you come, you go, you come. But in the Messianic time, it was still said one lamb, but this time one lamb to the entire world and once and for all. And this was what brought us into the place of the new covenant. So it was about the blood that needed to be shed. Now you discover that there was there was something that happened in Eden, which we have already explained. Now there was a man, there was a, a man, Christ, who was now trying to reconcile us back to God. But this had to be done by the remission of blood. So now the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to help us to salvage us from what we had. So we now came back into a place where it brings us into that authority where we can now stand as children of God. Now, this, 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 this whole sacrificial thing brings us to the place of understanding what we call the anointing. Now, you know, when you talk about the anointing, it's not actually a thing of um, an oil or whatever is poured on a man 
or anything that is on the man. Now, the concept of anointing came from all of this sacrificial system. Now, God needed a man that could represent every other man in each of these dispensations. So, everybody can no longer come to God. Why? Because death reigned. Death was what reigned. Now, because death reigned, there was no ability for man to be able to understand and connect with God. So, death means that separation from God. And man did not have that ability. Now, I would take us back again. I'm trying to just do these things to, to, to because of my time, I'm trying to rush, but I don't think, I think I need to bring those thoughts together. Now, remember last week, I was explaining to us about the tree of life and death, which was, uh, sorry, the tree of good and evil, rather, which was the tree of conscience. Now, in that same garden, you discover that there was also the tree of life. Now, because man had taken from the tree of good and evil, which was the tree of conscience, God could not allow man to eat from the tree of life. Because if man ate from the tree of life, man will be in that perpetual permanent state of death. Death had already reigned because man already did what he should not do. So death means a state where man could not attain his position in God. He could not attain a position of stature with God. He could not have a right standing with God. So because he was already in that state, if God allowed him to eat of the fruit of life, man will remain in that state forever. There will be no possibility of remission of man. So this was why man was sent out of the garden. And Genesis uh, 2 also made us understand that. You see when the scripture, uh, Genesis 3 rather, when the scripture now said, now let's send man out of this garden. That because it's now like one of us, that he may not eat of the tree of life. Now, that tree of life was not ready to come until death was dealt with, and that was Jesus. So, now the tree of life is the tree of good and evil, and there's another the, uh, the, the tree of conscience and the tree of life is in the same garden. But if man took of it, man will remain in that perpetual state. So until man can be re, can be remissioned back into a place where he can have a relationship with God, that is when man can take of the tree of life, which is Christ, so that man can be in a state of, that is where the concept of eternal life came from. So now, that's why we say that when you are born again, when you have Christ, you already have eternal life while you are here on earth, because you have tasted of the tree of life. So, and that was what God was guarding against in the garden. That man will not be in a state where he cannot longer be, be, be taken over, remised from death to life. I don't know if you understand this. And that's very central to what I'm trying to explain to us. This. I've jumped a lot of my notes because of time. The tree of life, I'm going to go over that again. The tree of life is Christ. Now, the tree of conscience brought man to a state of death, a place where man can no longer have the ability to stay. Now, if you look at the journey of this realize, how is it possible that you will see a God who helped you divide sea? Like, you go to, let's go to Babish now, and you just stand before the people, and you just stretch your hand, and the sea parted. Now, everybody in that Babish, they will forever worship you as God. Now, how come the Israelites saw all of this, but yet they still could not have the capacity to just believe in God? Because, not because they were naturally just people like that. It was because of what was raining. Death, a state where man cannot just connect with the things of God. Man cannot connect and have that relationship with God. And if man ate the tree of life in that state, without man first, without that system first neutralized, man will be in that state of death, unbelief forever. So that was the essence. That was the first reason why Christ had to come to first save us away from that from that um, realm of death and bring us into a realm where we can now accept life and stay in life forever, eternal life. And this is where some of those guys who bring about this concept of eternal salvation and all of that. That's another question for another day came from because when you have life, he says he comes and abides in you forever. So. That was to explain from what we had in the place of um, sacrificial to how we now entered into Christ. So what exactly happened at the new birth? Now, the first thing that happened was that now Christ died in our place. So Christ died in my place at the new birth and I now became him. I now sit in a position like him. So he went to hell in my place and now I now, I'm now open to reconciliation unto God. So I'm now living a life where I'm reconciled unto God. So 
at that at that place where Christ died for me and that sacrifice happened, all that I lost was restored to me in Christ. So it means that I become the righteousness of God. Romans 7, 46. Let's quickly look at that. It's pasting for us. Romans 7, 46. So I become the righteousness of God. And this is the central point of what the new birth has come to do for us. Now, why I'm emphasizing some of these things is to help us see that your righteousness and it's not a product of what you did or what you have done or what you are going to do. It's a product of the sacrifice that Jesus has done once and for all. So I become righteousness, I become the righteousness of God in Christ once I come to the place of salvation, when I give my life to Christ and I surrender to him. Now, this is to say this, that an unbeliever does not confess his sins. What an unbeliever, it's a believer that confesses his sin. What an unbeliever does is to confess Christ and his lordship. So when you speak to an unbeliever, you're not telling the unbeliever that give your life to Christ. Now I want you to confess all your sins because that exactly does not make him righteous. What makes an unbeliever righteous is confession unto salvation. Amen. So you see this, this, this doctrine help us understand how powerful the death of Christ does to our spirits. What the death of Christ brought to us. So in Christ, I become the righteousness of God. Romans 7, 4 to 6. Somebody help us with that on the chat box so that I can just, I don't want to open my Bible to, to, to save us some time. So I can now stand right, I can stand before God without any guilt or fear. Now you see that immediately that Adam and Eve had that fault. One of the things that happened to them is they began to run from the Father. They became fearful. Now, when you are in a state of fear or guilt, all you need to do is to understand the place of your righteousness. Now, what they didn't know was at that point was that God was not out to, to, to chastise them or to kill them or to do anything. What God was out to was to protect them. So that, that's why you say that immediately they even did that. It was God himself who still helped them with covering. So when you are when you are faced with guilt, when you are faced with um, fears and all of this, it's to come to a point where you know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So my brothers and sisters, you also die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of flesh, the sinful passion around the law, aroused the law, were at work in us, so that we bore forth fruit for death. Now, you see that this was mentioning death and death. So it was death that actually reigned. So it was death that makes it easy for us to sin, to submit to sin. So because death already reigned, you don't have that ability to say no to sin. So it's not technically like everybody, you become, you just, you just start sinning automatically. It was just because of what reigned from Adam and it was death. So there's a fruit that death bears and it makes us easy to submit to the life of sin. Amen. So when you see a man who keeps sinning, you may want to check if that man has actually translated from death into life. That would be the first thing. So, but now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Amen. So that, that explains to us that now we become righteousness of God. In righteousness of God in Christ. So what now reigned? So immediately after Christ came, death no longer reigns. So the death that reigned through Adam stopped at Christ. But now it does not automatically confer righteousness on us. Now this is the this is the mix. Death reigned through Adam, right? Now Christ came, and Christ through the death of Christ, he stopped the reign of death and brought us into the reign of life. And in that same book of Romans, that's where you see that Paul began to talk about who helped this my wretched body, what I wanted to do, what I, what I want to do is not what I'm doing, and all of that, talking about the conflict between his body and his spirit. So that was talking about the reign of death. He said, but now I give glory to God because Christ has done this. Christ has now helped me and saved me from this sinful flesh. Now, life now reigns in my body. Now, that life does not become active in a believer. It, it does not become active, rather, in anybody. Now, salvation is this. Okay, now, if, if I have, if I have um, 
BVN, if I have my, sorry, if I have my uh, voters card or I registered for my voters card, you know, I can, I can vote in Nigeria as a liable candidate. Now, when I have my voters card, it does not automatically mean I'm going to vote. Now, I may be, I may be a registered voter, but then, so being that I'm registered, it means I'm, I'm eligible to vote. Being registered under INEC does not automatically convert that I am voting or I have voted. What that does just to me is that I'm eligible to vote. So salvation, what Christ has come to do is for the entire world. So it's more like everybody now has salvation in their account. So it means that death naturally, because if death reigns, it will be difficult for you to submit to righteousness. So now let me let me take this further a little so that we begin to bring it to a close and to understand once we get this, we'll be able to answer many questions that looks confusing. So what Christ did was that we didn't go back to Eden. Christ has not come, you know, there are some theology, some teachings that I also taught it before that Christ took us back to Eden. That's not so complete. It's not very, very correct, accurate, because Christ did not take us back to Eden. Now, in Eden, Adam does not have access to what was going on in heaven. But now, in Christ, you have access to both what is going on in heaven and what is going on on earth. So you have authority over things on earth and things in heaven. So it means that you even have more than what what, what Adam and Eve had in Eden. So it's a new system where you come into Christ. And by Christ, you have access to all, both in the spirit realm and in the natural realm. You can control both. Now, so I've explained how the tree of conscience, which is the tree of good and evil, is, um, in, is, is, is in the garden as same as the tree of life. And when we chose Christ, so because death no longer reigns technically, death no longer reigns technically with the advent of Christ, we now have the ability to now choose. Now you see that Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 15 explains this to us. Now let somebody please somebody very fast paste that somebody paste Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 30 11 to 15. I'm trying to round off with that. Deuteronomy um, 30 11 to 15. And somebody else, Romans 10, 6 to 8. Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 15. Sorry, let me get feedback before I continue. Are, are we following and are we getting this? Are we following me? Are we getting this? Am I too fast? Am I are you getting it? Let me just get some feedbacks before. Before I run along. Yeah, awesome. Okay, great. Now, for this commandment, which I command you, you know that that Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament, right? But now, the way you read the scriptures, you have to know that every of the scriptures, both old and new, is actually a story about Christ. It's all pointing to one man, which is Christ. So now, it says, for this commandment, which I command you this day. It's not too difficult for you. Now, this scripture is a prophecy into what was going to happen when Christ comes. And this is what it's saying. Now, I've been telling to you that when Christ now came, we now got back into a level playing ground. Here you now have the ability to choose again. Now, when Christ came, he got us back more like into the what we had in Aden, where you could choose between the tree of life or the tree of good and evil. Now, after you choose the tree of life, you now come into another realm higher than Eden. I don't know if you got that. When Christ came, he brought us back into a level playing ground when he sacrificed himself to a point where we come back to an Edenic system where we have the tree of life, which is Christ, and we have the tree of good and evil. Now, the tree of good and evil, I told us last week, it is death. Because the tree of good and evil, it's producing evil. The good of it is also evil. And I was trying to explain that to us in some of these concepts we have in this new generation. We have some things will be, will be, will be preached to us on the, pre, on the premise of love just to go against the word of God. Things like LGBT and all of that. I think we understand that from last week. So now we come back to a place where you have the tree of life and the tree of good and evil. That's what Christ has come to do. So it's not a thing of choice. But then he also gives us the ability to choose life. Now, so for, for, for us now, we come back into that, that state where it's like we are now back to Eden. 
But once you choose the tree of life, that is Christ. You are not back to Eden. You are now in Christ, which is you are now in the spirit. There you have ability to control not just the things that happen on the earth realm. You also have the ability to control the things that happen in the spirit realm, in the heavenlies. Now, so it says, for this commandment, which I command you this day, is not too difficult for you, nor is it far off. Now, what it's saying now is, now that Christ has come, it's no longer now too difficult for us to choose life. Because it was difficult for the Israelites. It was difficult for them. After all the miracles, and you look at what is wrong with these guys. That's why the scripture described them as stiff-necked people. It was difficult for them, not because they were just naturally difficult, but because death reigned. So until Christ came, there was an level praying ground that we can now choose between life and the tree of good and evil. Life and death. So now, this is the commandment which I give you this day. Not too difficult for you, nor is it far off. It is not a secret laid up in heaven that you say we shall go up for a horse to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. Talking about Christ. Neither is it beyond the sea that you say we shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. But the word Christ is very near you in your mouth and in your mind and in your heart, so that you can do it. See, I have said before you, oh, you didn't complete that. Who pasted it for Sister Ife? I said before you, life and death. Now, this scripture, even though it was in the old covenant, it was actually a prophecy talking about when Christ will come and do this. So I have now said before you, life and death, and it is not going to be difficult for you. Now, look at the same scripture now being interpreted in the New Testament, in Romans. Okay, thank you. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you say we shall ascend, blah, blah, blah. See, I have said before you today, life and good, death. Now, life and death. Now, look at Romans 10, 6, 8 now. But the righteousness based on faith, which produces a relationship with him, says the following. Do not say in your heart. Now, can you see what was said in Deuteronomy now? That this was now the fulfillment of what was said in Deuteronomy. It was a prophecy about what Christ would do to the death that reigned in man. Now, do not say in your heart, who will ascend unto heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead, as if we had been saved by our own effort, doing the impossible. But what does this say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your, in your heart, that is the word. Now, you see that this is now explaining it to us, making that Deuteronomy clear that what Deuteronomy was talking about was Christ. That when Christ now comes, he now gives us the ability that now we can now choose again between life, Christ, or death, what already read through Adam. So we are now in the state where there's a first Adam and there's a second Adam, as the scripture also described it. So what you see is that Adam is a type of influence. Adam was a type of an example. The first Adam was a type of an example. Christ was another type of an example. So now we, now, we are now in a state where we have the ability to now choose the example to follow. And Christ says, now I advise you, choose life. Because it now gives us the ability, we now have the strength to be able to do it because Christ has come and he has paid the price. Do we understand to this point? Let me get some feedback here. It's 55. If we can get this clearly, this will do a whole lot to any other skill you are doing. Let, let me get feedbacks. Feedbacks. Let me know. Everybody, everybody really, not just. Let me get feedbacks. Let me be sure we got this. If I'm too fast, I don't mind me going over it next week again. Let me be sure we get, we get the graphs of this. And if you don't get it, you can let me also know. We can just explain some, some areas. It's not, so, it's not so complex, but it can be interesting. Yes, sir. All right. Great. Great. Two others. This is just one, two, three, four. Four, four persons. We have 19 persons here. Let me get our feedback. Do we, do we get this? Do we understand this? Is it clear? Is it clear? Is it clear? Very fast. I'm already spending the time I should use to close. Let me get our, our response. Great. Great. All right, so now let me let me just tie it up here. My time is, I'm, I'm already out, out of time. Let me tie it up here. Now, 
So I've been able to explain to us that what raid actually was death, not sin technically. And I'll be able to explain to you that what Christ now came to do is to return us at that point before you accept salvation to a kind of a dead system where we have the opportunity to choose between life and death. And I've been able to explain to us that that tree of life is Christ and the tree of life and uh, of good and evil is death, which reigned through Adam. But now that life has come himself and we have the ability, the power to choose between life and death. Now, and that will take us to that question we are asking about if two righteous persons gives birth. I think with this I've explained, you should be able to now get a grasp of it. So I'll still give you to go and sort that. Maybe next week before Pastor Beldo continues, we can just do a gist on that and see if you actually get it. Now, but let me say this to close. This is why family is very central to the advancement of the kingdom. Now, God said he trusted Abraham that he would command his generation in the way of the Lord. So now, family is critical to salvation and the advancement of the kingdom of God. So you see that if I give birth to a child, that child, I told you, I said the first Adam is a type of example. And Christ is a type of example. So you now have two examples and it is laid before you that one is life, one is death. But you have to choose. So it's now upon us as believers that when we are now making families, that's why the devil attacks families. Because your family should actually be the one that is now laying the example continually. So the example of what I and my wife will lay will be what my child will continue and the kingdom will be continue to advance. So this is why family is so central. That's why the scripture says, teach a child in the way it should go and it will not depart from it. Now, the scripture said, teach the child in the way he should go. Now, because there are now ways, there's, there's, there's an opportunity. A family should be able to... I got that. Now, the way he should go now is... How, how do I explain this? My time is fast. We are, we are a family. I have a child. Now, there's a way you should go. It's not the way that you think the child can go. Now, there's a way you should go. Which is where is the way of life? So when you train a child, a child will not depart. When is this the way the child should go? I don't know how to explain this in English, Holy Spirit. There's a way that I should go. If I'm going the way I should go, the ability to, to turn back is not possible. That's what that scripture is saying. Now it's just like when it's just like when the scripture, you know, when they say when the when the scripture says these ones are mine. And nothing shall take them away from me. I think that was in the book of uh, Ephesians. He said, these ones are mine. He said, nothing can take them away from me. Because they have followed the way they should go. Now, if you teach a child the way the child should go, the way a child should go is what guarantees that the child will never turn back. So, there's a way the child should go. This is the centrality of family to the advancement of the kingdom. So the Lord trusted an Abraham that he would train his, his, his children in the way they should go and the covenant will be preserved. So the question will now be for us as believers that the examples that I will show to the seed that will come from me, will it guarantee the kingdom of God? Let me just close here. It's 8 o'clock already. I'm sorry. Let's just close. I don't want, I don't want to, I want to, I want to be very obedient to time before Pastor Paul will come and embarrass me. So, guys, let's just have questions. If you have questions, please drop them. Uh, we'll take it next week from the next. The teacher will take it next week. Let me just let me just stop here. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, guys. Pastor Paul, I'm out. His great house, the home of peace.